0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feimster.
1: Easter's coming. I counted up, I've preached 46 Easters. Now, I've preached over 30 here. You should have gotten it by now. <laughs> I've had a lot of Easter's. You say, well, preacher, what's your point? you would think that everyone knows about easter the cross the burial the resurrection of jesus christ as i was praying about this series that we're beginning today i was asking the lord uh, god how do we how do i speak into it with fresh revelation and the lord said something to me that got my attention he said you know the theology and we've become accustomed to the traditions you've heard the sermons and you think you know we know the facts but do you know the why? And so over the next few weeks I want us to look at the why of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today I want to ask a question why why did Jesus come? Why Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. We know the theology. He's fully God, fully man. But why? Why was he born? Why did he come? Why did he live? Why did he die? Why did he rise? Why did he ascend? Why is he coming back? Why did Jesus come? There's a lot of reasons. This morning I want to focus on uh, one, basically, but I want to talk about, you know, Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to. Uh, display the truth he came to transform the world. he, he came I, I looked it up on Google and somebody has 31 reasons Jesus came. We won't cover all 31 this morning. Here's what I want to show. first of all they said you, you, the angel told Joseph name him Jesus why because he's going to save his people from sin. Being saved from sin, he told Zacchaeus in Luke nineteen ten, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. First John three eight says he came to destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, of the, 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 for this purpose the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He came to give life, and and that's the really good news, abundant life. John ten ten, the thief comes, ex, the, the thief does not come except to steal. And to kill and to destroy. I have come. Jesus says. That they may have life. That they may have it more abundantly. John 10.10. We're going to be there today. So if you want to turn in your Bibles there. And then we know the one that's probably the most memorized verse in the church. John 3.16. I want to include verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. Or eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Need to hear that. He didn't send his son to condemn the world, he but that the world through him might be saved. You say, Preacher, we know all that. I thought you was going to say something different. What's that got to do with me? Because you know, we only come to church for what it's in it for me. What's this gonna what's this gonna do for me? And let me just let me just say it the way that I feel like God's saying it. Jesus came to rescue the perishing. And, and the reason I, I've got somewhere I want to go with this because the word lost in Luke 19.10, the word perish in John 3.16, and the word destroy in John 10.10 10, are all the same word in Greek, apolumi. Apolumi. That word doesn't mean to be lost in the sense of missing or to perish in the sense of that you're going to die one day. But it means to be fully destroyed. It means to be wholly lost to life. Not ceasing to exist, but separated forever from eternal life. The word apolumi, apo means separate, and olumi means to destroy. And the enemy has one purpose in this earth that he might separate mankind, God's greatest creation, from God and perpetually and forever destroy him, separate him from life and destroy us. The very root word of Apollumi is used in Revelation nine eleven as, as the name for Satan, Apollyon, the destroyer. So I want you to go back to, to Luke John to Luke John. To John ten ten. And I want to show you what I feel like God's saying today because it's in this verse that I got an incredible revelation for me. It may not be for you. Uh, the thief comes does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I don't know how many times I've read that verse and quoted that verse. It's one of those that I've memorized in John chapter 10. The thief come, does not come but except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, 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 wanna, I saw something this, this year that I've never seen before. Is the arrangements of those words. He comes to steal, to kill, and then to destroy. In our Western word, world, in thinking... To be killed would be the end. But the Bible clearly says that there's something worse than being killed. Being destroyed. Lost. Separated forever from life. You see, the, death is not the absence of breathing or function. Death is, is the absence of life. When we've ceased breathing and functioning on this earth, God wanted us to have life forever and ever and ever. But the scripture says we got a problem. We have an enemy. And this enemy is not wanting just to steal from us the truth or kill us in our physical bodies, but he wants us to be destroyed, separated. Lost forever. To perish is an internal lostness in the context of these verses. Ultimate eternal destruction. (laughs) Why perish? Let's face it. uh, While we've canceled everything out in the world today, we've canceled out sin and lostness and perishing in our culture. Nobody's perishing anymore. Nobody's perishing. We're dying, but nobody's perishing. It's a different word. Everyone is basically OK. We may be messed up, but we're okay. We Maybe mixed up, but we're okay. We may be unstable. But really, we're OK. But we're not perishing. You see, perishing has been reserved for the Hitlers and the serial killers and the Democrats or the Republicans (laughs) or those we despise that we think deserve it. Why Why does the Scripture talk about perishing? There's a key word that's linked with perishing and that's called sin. Scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reason we're perishing is because all have sinned. The reason we're perishing is because the wages of sin is death. The consequence of sin is, is spiritual death. It's not dying. It is perishing, lostness, destruction, perpetually. And in our society, no one talks about being a sinner anymore. Not really. We don't sin. We slip up. Man, I had to slip up. I slipped into it. We don't sin; we stumble. I didn't see that there. It's not. It's not that bad. I, I just lost my balance. <laughs> we don't sin; we just make mistakes. Oh, I'm sorry. I, that was a mistake. And. <laughs> A slip-up, a stumble, a mistake. If we only slip up, it means that most of the time we were right. If we only stumble, it means that most of the time we were walking right. If we only make a mistake, it just means that this one moment I messed up. You see, a slip-up, a stumble, a mistake is just an error in action or calculation or opinion or judgment. Oh, I just wasn't thinking. No, you were thinking. I didn't know any better. Oh, yes, you did. Well, I just wasn't mature enough. I I didn't know enough. I, I hadn't been educated. Yeah, I wasn't thinking straight. There is another word that we need to get in our vocabulary again, and that's the word sin. I want to talk to you about... You see, if we, if we don't understand sin, we don't understand why Jesus came. You see, if we don't sin anymore, we don't need a Savior. So sin, in Scripture, there's four basic words used in Scripture for what we're talking about, this principle of sin. A, a sin, first of all, just the word sin, it means to miss the mark. Now it's not about missing the bullseye. Most of the, I used to think, well, well, I just was a little off. The word here means to miss the mark, means that you stretch the bow and you aim for the bullseye, but you can't get it there. It misses the whole target. You don't have the ability to get the arrow to the mark. Another word that's used in scripture. It's trespass. It means to step over the line, to go over a boundary. There's something that God has said, don't do it, and you do it. Maybe accidentally, but most of the time intentionally. Wet paint, don't touch. How many of you have ever wanted to see if it was wet? Surely it's dry by now. And then there's transgression. Transgression is to intentionally choose to disobey. Have you ever seen a three-year-old? Don't touch. With everything in them. I'm serious. Everything in them. They know exactly what you've said and they know what you mean and they can't stand it. And as soon as you turn your back, transgression, it literally means to revolt or to rebel. And then the worst of them in these four is iniquity. This is funny. Jesus said, There are sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The word iniquity is a premeditated choice of a forbidden action. In other words, it's a planned sin. And not only did I plan it, I'm not repenting of it. Let me say it this way They had it coming. I don't get even I get over or I don't get over I get even all of these words is how the scripture talks you see the scripture doesn't tell us about mistakes and stumbles and slips scripture talks about the intentionality of a man's heart and mind and body to get involved with things that they know exactly or not, but they they don't. We excuse it off, well, it's just a mistake, it's just a slip, it's just a stumble. Folks, listen to me. We're living in a culture, if we dumb down sin to mistakes, slips, and stumbles, if there's no sin, there's no need of a Savior. And we are trying to present the gospel to a culture that no longer has any wrong. And I'm thinking, God, how do we live in the pagan culture? And God says the same way Paul did. No, nobody was a Christian when Paul was preaching. What Paul knew was, man was in sin. And God had given a Savior. Jesus came to save. Save from perishing. Paul knew they were perishing. They weren't making mistakes. They weren't in trouble. They weren't having a problem. They weren't losing their balance. They were dead in trespasses and sins by their own choices and nature. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to hear it. Sin is not just what I do. Sin is why I did it. I intended to. Now, I can say, well, the devil made me. And partially true. Partially true because he's always given you an option. But sin, real sin, it's the only kind there is. Here's another statement. We do not become sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Well, I want to blame somebody. Romans five twelve. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, death through sin, and thus desperate to all men, because we all sinned. Verse 19, for by as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. Who's that man? I want to know who that man is. That man is Adam. The very first man that was created. Man that was created and put in a perfect paradise, a perfect place, giving given the uh, the full responsibility for uh, stewarding the creation. Man walked and talked with God in the cool of the morning. Uh, the scripture says that uh, the scripture is very very precise about our beginnings, and the Lord verse. Chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 7. The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now God formed man different from all of the creation because basically he said, and it was very, he was very good. All this other is good, but this was very good because we were created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them, he said. Man was created... With biology, bios, and suke, psychology, so body and a soul. But we were given something that most of the other creation didn't get, and that was a pneuma, that was a spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And God wanted to relate to us in a way that He did not relate to all the other creation. He wanted us to respond to Him spiritually, that would go through our psyche. And live out through our body. In other words, we were to live inside out. God, in relationship with us, as we depended on Him to respond to Him, we would know what He wanted, we would understand it, and we would bring it into reality, His character, His his way of life in this creation. That, that he, the man became the steward under the authority of God over all creation. But God wanted... Listen, God didn't create little gods and call them human beings. The creature man was designed to function by a constant faith, love, dependence upon his creator God. But for that choice to be real there had to be another option. In other words, God didn't want robots. He wanted responders. He wanted relationship. Not that He needed it. He wanted to fill the earth with the glory through us, His creation. But for that to be out of a faith-love relationship, there had to be an option. In other words, if, if there's only one option, you'll choose it. But if there's two or three or four in fact have you we're no longer under the stress that we used to have when we went to the grocery store used to when you went to the grocery store there was all of these different kinds of toothpaste now there's two <laughs> there was all of these beverages but now there's just and you're hoping to find the one you wanted you understand God only allowed one other choice. In fact, it was a the uh, It was an obvious choice. Should have been. Look at uh, uh, verse nine. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's two trees in this story, and uh, literally, it's reality. Don't hear me say story and think it's it's truly an account. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse sixteen and seventeen of that same chapter the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will you shall surely die. Literally in dying you will die. Now most of time people think that God is commanding them. Listen to me. God is warning them. Out of His love and care and for them, He's warning them to know the, the reality of that choice. He's not threatening them that if you eat of that tree, I'm going to kill you. He's saying if you eat of that tree, you will die and I came that you might have life. I created you that you might have my life. And there was another tree that had that life available, the tree of life. The Scripture doesn't say they ever ate of it. Some people believe they did eat of it. i got a feeling they didn't eat of it because when they did eat the wrong tree and get put out of the garden, God put two angels there keeping them out of the garden. They couldn't go back in because if they could, they could eat of that tree and live perpetually perishing. You know, I could preach a week on this, right? And sometimes it sounds, seems like a week. Oh. In chapter 3, let me just go on. We know that man was tempted. He was seduced to make a choice to reject dependency upon God who had made him. And the source of that temptation was Satan, a spirit creature, not another God, a spirit creature who had become the antithesis and the antagonist of God. He is a liar. Listen to me. Every time the enemy speaks to you, he tells a lie, even when he uses the truth. He's a liar from the beginning. He's the father of lies. Let me tell you when you're tempted to lie to escape the penalty or to escape or to just get by with it, guess where that comes from? That's another sermon. And the lie is simple. You can be like God, knowing good and evil. Now let me tell you something. They already were like God, and they already knew good and evil according to God. God said, don't eat of that tree. That is evil. Everything else is good. Isn't it amazing that man would go for the one thing they... Wet paint... They took of the fruit, they ate it. Why did they take of the fruit? Now here's the here's the simple lie. You can be, you don't need God to be a man. Yes, he created you, but you don't need him to be a man. Here's the way we would say it. You can be your own man. They chose to respond and believe the devil's lie and they ate from the tree that they were warned against and the Bible says their eyes were opened. Now I don't think they were created with closed eyes. I think they had been seeing clearly and when they ate of this they were blinded to what was really true and their eyes were opened to things that God never intended them to see. But did they die? Remember I said that literally it says in dying you will die. They didn't die physically immediately. Where they did die is they began to perish. They began to be deceived. They, they were now deceived. They, but hear me. They were still made responders spiritually. But now they were responding to the wrong spirit. They believed the lie. Now, for man, they thought they could become like God and no good and evil without God. Because there was another spirit energizing and motivating them. Listen to me. When Adam sinned, he didn't become an empty person. He didn't become an innocent person. He didn't become a neutral person he became a sinner. And everyone since that choice was made by Adam has, in fact, in Genesis 5, verse 3, I believe it says, and, and Adam and Eve, after they'd gotten out of the garden, they gave birth to uh, their children in their image, after their life. Everyone who's been born since Adam sees their nakedness. Sees their lack. You don't have to tell a two-year-old to say, well, tell everybody it's yours, mine, mine. In fact, most parents, if you're dealing with your children, you're trying to say, share share and they're saying mine even what they've got's mine what they've got's mine why because there's something that switched in mankind that no longer was it about others and about god but now it's about mine i gotta get on How do you know? Because they began to act like the devil. They hid. They blamed others, and they disobeyed. That means that man, without God, is not empty. He's he's responding to the spirit that is now at work in the world. He gave over the authority of the earth to the devil. Now, now I, don't, I know. Let me just tell you, uh, <clears throat> this doesn't sit well with our culture. It doesn't sit well with people who see man as the center of the universe. You see, today, man, the world, the media, everybody will tell you that every person is independent, autonomous, and with the inherent potential to be the cause of their own effects, the source of their own ability, activity. Man can be the master of his own fate. He can chart his own course. He can run his own show. He can do his own thing. He can solve his own problems. He can control his own destiny. It sounds good, but it's a lie. A deadly lie. Putin is saying to Ukraine, Mine. Ukraine is saying, What happened to my life? Four million of them or more have had to leave. Listen to me it's the perishing world that Jesus came to rescue. Well, you know, if I, if I slip up, somebody can, get, can just get me a hand, catch me, catch me. If I stumble, then somebody can just help me gain my balance. If that's a mistake, just somebody can teach me something. I love what D.L. Moody said. He said, if, if there's a worker on your railroad, that's when D.L. Moody was alive, who's stealing your nuts and bolts. And everybody says, well, you just need to educate him. He says, you educate that man and he'll steal your train." Folks, you can't educate sin out of mankind. You can't psychoanalyze sin out of people. You just can't. say, Preacher, you're sure not in cheering us up today. I liked it better when you were preaching on the good news. No, folks, this is good news. Here's the problem. The lie became mankind's truth. 1 John 3.8, I said, for this Jesus was manifest. Let me read you the rest of that verse because I didn't read you the first part of that verse. The last part says, for this purpose the Son of Man was manifest that he might destroy, destroy forever the works of the devil. But the first part of that verse says, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Guess who started it? And that's why Jesus came. Because God wants to put an end to what the devil started. And we're a part of it. Okay. Oh, Lord. I looked at the clock. Everyone since Adam has been born deceived, rebellious toward God. If you don't believe that, every time God tells you something to do, why do you say, I can't? You don't mean I can't. You mean I won't. And if, you, if you're really a religious person, a really good, a good Christian, you'll say, God hasn't led me that way. <laughs> Which being interpreted says, I'm not doing it no matter what you say. You've got to understand... Ephesians 2, 1-3, if you're a Christian today, if you have believed in Jesus, whether you as a child when you did it, no matter where you are in your walk, if you're walking with Jesus today, let me show you what he got you out of. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, and he, meaning God, made you alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, in other words, the way the world works according to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's who you were. Among whom also you once conducted yourselves in the lust of your flesh, in the fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We think wrath is God getting mad. Wrath is just the consequence of your own sin. I can tell you I can be a doctor and know that you have stage Four cancer, and I can make you feel better by saying you're going to be OK. But the truth of the matter is, that which is eating you is going to eat you until you die. But I can tell you you're okay. I can tell everybody else you're okay. In other words, we can, I could preach to you, everybody here is OK, but the reality is, we are living in a world that is perishing. I wish you could feel what I'm feeling. By nature means you're born that way. You're not born neutral. You are not innocent with the possibility to go either this way or that. We're born biased to one side, dead to God, alive to sin, just as the others, which means everybody's like us. We got a problem. What can we do to fix this problem? Let me tell you, man's in a fix Folks, listen, the thing that's going to fix this world is not diplomacy. It's Jesus Christ. And i got good news. John 10.10. 10. <laughs> I'm going to leave out some, Patresa. John 10:10 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy i have come hear that Jesus saying to us i have come that you could have life and that you may have it more abundantly Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil he came to destroy to save you from perishing to rescue you from perishing but i want you to see what i, I had never seen this before and, and uh, there were still two trees in the garden, remember? tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Did you know that the tree of knowledge of good and evil is never mentioned again in Scripture? Once that choice was made, it was made for good. But there was another choice. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world and tell you how wrong you are God sent Jesus to save you there was a tree of life and they could have freely eaten of it well what was the fruit of the tree of life? Jesus yes maybe It wasn't to give them life because Adam and Eve were already alive. God had breathed into them the breath of life. In fact, they couldn't die unless they were alive. So it wasn't... And and this this is what blew me away. What the tree of life was is the choice that Adam could have made to live in a faith-love relationship dependency upon God, His Creator... And experience the fullness, let me say it another way, the abundance of life that God had intended His creature to have. Now go back to John 10. 10. I have come, not just to give you life, but to give you what God intended in the tree of life from the beginning. Did you know the tree of life is mentioned over and over again in Scripture? Proverbs is the one that I found the most in. In Proverbs, uh, wisdom. Proverbs three eighteen, wisdom is said to be a tree of life. Eleven thirty, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Thirteen twelve, Fulfilled desires is a tree of life. And and fifteen four, a wholesome tongue is the tree of life. Jesus came to bring back to us and secure for us what Adam lost in the garden. He came to bring life And not just that we would live in heaven someday. He came to bring us the life that is abundance that God intended us to have had we chosen the tree of life in the garden and we could have lived in the full expression of the glory of God as He lived through us by our spirit, through our soul, through our body in manifesting His glory in creation. This world would be a different place. Listen, this world would have been a different place had Adam chose God. This world can be a different place if you choose Jesus. Jesus is inviting us to partake of the tree that God intended in the beginning. Listen, it's not about going to heaven when you die. It's about experiencing, encountering, knowing God, hearing God, and responding to God while you're alive on this earth and to bring God glory and see lives transformed because you're introducing to them to the one who rescues the perishing. You can't do it. He's already done it. You can just share the news. Goodness, time's gone. Colossians two thirteen. How did he do it? He did it on the cross. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forsaken, forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he's taken it out of the way. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. He's disarmed principalities and powers and He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Hebrews two fourteen and 15 says that He came to take our own flesh and blood in order that He might destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and, 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 and redeem and refresh and rescue those who were in fear of death all their life. You have a choice again. Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, delivered, rescued. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation or redemption, deliverance. Verse 13, for whoever calls, you have a choice, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I got one more thing I got to share. Once you eat of that tree, you can forever eat of that tree. Once you take Jesus, you can forever be taking Jesus. He becomes in living union with you. But I love this. In Revelations 22, 2, in the middle of the street of the New Jerusalem where the river is, On each side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Jesus made the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You're going to always need Jesus. Now, if you don't know, if you've never met Jesus, and you realize for the first time in your life... You know, I've been calling it a mistake, but it's sin. And you realize that Jesus came to rescue you from your sin. I want to tell you that if you will believe, if you will come to Jesus, He will rescue you. He will save you. But I want to say something to the to the believers. Those that you know, you've trusted Jesus. You've asked Him to come into your life. You've trusted Him to be your Savior. You knew you were a sinner. I want to say something to you you're going to always need Jesus. Don't let that be some event in the past when you were in vacation Bible school. Let me tell you through my own experience. When I was somewhere between the ages 7 and 9, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior was baptized. I'm part of the church. When I came to be 15 in my teenage years, I realized... I was way off from what Jesus was talking about. And I came in and said, Jesus, I need you again. And I found out He's still rescuing. He's still rescuing. And after that experience, God called me to preach and I, I didn't want to preach. And I, you know, Guess what? It's the moment I said no to God, I became a, a tool. I became a punching bag for the enemy. At the age of... 17, I began to run from God. At the age of 19, it's like the prodigal son, I came to my senses and I found out Jesus is still the rescuer. And He rescued me. Surrendered to priest started it. And I don't know how old I was. How old would I have been in 1980? I was I was younger. In 1980, I came to the place in my life where I was, I was through. I mean, I, I couldn't do this anymore because it was all a performance. I thought God was, had these great expectations of me, and the devil was feeding me lie after lie that I wasn't of worth, I wasn't any good. I, there was no reason for me to do it. There was things in my life that wasn't cleaned up before God. You know who you are. God was saying that to me, and all those lies that were just going around. Because it was half lies it was true about me but it was wrong about my relationship with God and in 1983 Jesus came to rescue me again He came to my rescue transformed our lives in 2011 through 2013 pastoring here I came to a place where the enemy was again lying to me, telling me all these things, teaching me. Now, no details, just saying that I was in a state that I needed Jesus to rescue me again. To remind me who I am in Him and not what the enemy's telling me in my head. I don't care where you are in your life, you need Jesus if you're here this morning and you've been believing the lies and he's good at lying because it sounds like the truth Jesus is here to rescue you whether you need to meet him for the first time or whether you need to meet him for the hundredth time whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved Stand with me. Father, we come to You thanking You for the gift of Jesus. That the work is finished. The job's been done. Now we have a choice to come to the tree of life and eat freely of its fruit. There's healing in it. There's redemption in it. There's safety. There's security. And so, Lord, we come to You if this is my first time to come, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I, 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 I've i done these things because that's what I've been. And Jesus, I'm asking You to deliver me. Would You change me? Would You come in and would You forgive me? And would You make me a new creation? If I'm a believer, and I've been a believer a long time, but I've had my trips. I've been around the mountain a few times. And I find myself wondering if it's all worth it. I've believed the lies. I've allowed the enemy to to get me off track. He's put me in places I never dreamed I'd be. Jesus, I confess, I need a rescuer. I come to my Savior, and I ask you to set me free. Lord, whatever you're going to do in our lives this morning, do it now. Do it now. Every head bowed. No one looking around, please. I want to pray for you. I want to pray specific. If you know in your heart this morning that you need Jesus, whether the first time or to rescue you again, I want you just to lift up a hand. All right, you can put it down. Father, by a faith-love relationship with you, I'm asking you to pour out the love of Jesus through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to everyone who raised their hand. I pray that today you would come to them in power and in encounter, that they would hear your voice, and that they would know your love for them and your desire for them to be free. You came to rescue the perishing. Lord, stop the enemy's lies. Cut off his hands and restore to them the joy of your salvation. We submit and surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
2: What an amazing, timely word for us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Daryl. At a time when the world and culture is trying to redefine things and, and through morality and redefining things and trying to tell you that it's okay this way or you might have been born like that, but you could be like this, they're moving that line to fit their narrative and to change everything to make them feel okay about who they are and what they're doing in their own sin. Praise God. The truth that Pastor Doug just shared with you doesn't change. I, the Lord, your God, will not change. Every man has sinned. No man comes to the Father but by me. All who call on my name will be saved. Period. Dot. Truth. Rock you can stand on as the waves crash back and forth around you. That's the truth you can stand on and have life in Him. It's just that easy, and it's all you have to share to bring life to others. Amen? Just that easy. Let me give you a few announcements, and we've got a special uh, announcement from April Draumina. Sunday, April 17th, is Easter. Those of you who attend this service normally, and you have the ability to, please attend the first service. There's a lot more room in the first service. You might find a different seat. You might find a new friend. April 17th, please consider that. And if you don't... You come to the second service on April 17th. There's extra parking over at Golden Chick behind the restaurant. We have poured a sidewalk. You won't get your shoes muddy. You can walk over here, come through the side door. Same service, different parking area, okay? This Saturday, men's breakfast, 9 o'clock, or not 9, 8 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. If you come at 9, you get to help clean up. Come at 8, and you can eat with us. Uh, April, come up here and tell us uh, about something exciting that's going on in the community. You'll have a seat just for a second. She's going to make it quick so you can get to the, get to the uh, restaurant. Okay.
0: All right, Pastor Darrell, it took too much time. Now I don't have as much. All right. I brought notes so I wouldn't keep you too long. Okay. I'm so excited to share with you something very special that God is doing in Lampasas. This August, Lampasas will open its Christian school, Providence Christian Academy, for grades kindergarten through eighth grade. We are so excited. We have so many wonderful things to share with you. We want to invite you this Tuesday at 7 p.m. at First, Methodist, sorry, First United Methodist Church, right down the road. We want to have an informational meeting where we'll just go through everything we're doing. You'll get to see all the work that's happened behind the scenes get all the details that everybody wants to know. Um, we'll even give you a chance to look through the classrooms, uh, see a little bit of the curriculum that we've picked out, um, and have a chance to have all your questions answered. Um, we, Providence Christian Academy is being founded with the mission to train up and prepare the next generation to be ready to take a stand against the world and lead their generation back to Christ. This generation desperately needs Christian leaders. Those of us who have been involved in this endeavor have felt for years that our children are not adequately prepared to stand against the spiritual challenges that are unique to this generation. More and more we are seeing young people, even those who have grown up in the church, they're being chewed up and broken by the world. Or worse yet, they're being led away from the church entirely by the lies that they're surrounded by. PCA is founded with the idea that just as you wouldn't send a soldier into battle without first putting them through rigorous training, we are commanded to prepare our children to be equipped for the battles they will face. We invite everyone, even if you don't have children, even if you don't have grandchildren, we want you all to come uh, attend this meeting. Even if you don't think you like the idea of Christian education, even if you don't think there's any way you could ever afford it, I just ask that you come and listen to what we have to do. We need so much prayer and support over the next uh, few months and years to uh, lift up these kids. Now I look around the audience and I see so many educators, so many people involved in the in the public school, and I want to encourage you: stay there, okay? Be the light in the Christian school. We have a lot of work to do there, okay? But your children—they're not lights, okay? They're just candles and they're not lit yet okay they're full of potential energy and and unique special abilities okay the devil wants nothing more than to keep them from getting lit okay that's the that's the best thing he can do okay and he's been doing it for a number of years now okay you just have to look at the congregations and see our young people aren't there okay if you want to light a candle you don't take it out into the storm you don't you know, try and sit there and light it in the rain and the wind. You take it to a protected area, and you light it, and you let the light grow a little bit, and then you put something around that light, and now you can take it out into the storm. Now it can do its job. Now it can shine its light. And that's what we want to do for the kids of Lampasas. We want to give them a safe place to grow, develop a biblical framework, okay, develop a way to see the world the way God does. The world, the world does not teach us to see the world the way God does at all, okay? It's the antithesis. So we want to take them and we want to train them up in the Lord so that when they are ready to shine their light, they know what God says. They know how God sees the world, and they're ready to lead. So I invite you Tuesday, this Tuesday at 7 p.m., United Methodist Church, Okay.
2: One thing she forgot to tell you, or intentionally didn't tell you, is April has been chosen as the headmaster for the new school. Um, We're blessed to have people in our New Covenant family who are responding to God's call in their lives to lead out and help our community. Amen. Let me pray for you real quick. Father God, I thank you that your truth cannot be changed. And no matter what man says, it will not bend your truth. And Lord, we can stand on it. Not only can we stand on it, we can live in it. So Father God, thank you that you remind us of your truth this week as we walk it out as ambassadors of your kingdom of who you are and who we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Have a blessed week.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's message.